Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett thanking you for joining us today. And this Hope for Your Heart ministry is part of the Hickory Ridge Community Church. It's one of our outreach ministries. And I thank you all for listening to this broadcast. As a matter of fact, uh, just this past Saturday, we had a class that we call Starting Point. Starting Point is a class that I teach about every other month. And it's basically a membership class where we go through uh, the basic tenets of our faith, why we believe, what we believe. You know, as a church, we have a high view of God's word. And I tell people all the time, if you're looking for a church home, right? I think there's two things you got to look at. Number one, most importantly, you got to look at the doctrine of that church. What does this church believe? Why do they believe it? Is it based upon the word of God? What does this church believe about sin and salvation? What does this church believe about the return of Christ? What does this church believe about uh, marriage, traditional marriage? And, and what does this church believe about end times? There's a whole lot of things that you got to look at. Is the word of God the final authority in this church? The second thing that you got to look at is not only the doctrine of that church, right? That is paramount. But I think you also got to look at the philosophy of the church. How do they do what they do? For example, as you think about churches today, many churches are more traditional in how they operate. And there's nothing wrong with these. These are, are philosophical differences that we can agree to disagree on, okay? Uh, for example, some churches you go and, you know, they have a choir and they sing from hymns and uh, and, and they get dressed up, uh, wear their Sunday best when they go to church and nothing wrong with that. That's great. If that's how you are and that's how you want to worship, and, uh, and that's great, but some churches uh, like our churches, we're a little more laid back. Uh, and I always kid around and I said, well, we don't have a dress code in order to come to church. Uh, I said, well, I take that back. We do have a dress code. Clothes are required, okay? When you come to church, you got to be having some clothes on. But we don't make a big deal because we look at the fact that God is more interested in our heart than what we wear. Now, if you're on the stage, obviously we have our worship team and we ask them to wear things that are clean and appropriate. And by appropriate, I mean, uh, you know, you could be sitting uh, on the worship team and, and maybe wearing army fatigues or military fatigues, and, and that would be, you know, clean, but it's really out of sync for what you're doing. You'd be drawing attention to yourself, okay? Uh, so I want all of our worship team to kind of blend together, and I try to blend together with them because we don't want to bring attention to ourselves. We want to bring attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. As we gather to worship every Sunday, we worship the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. So we offer the starting point class, uh, not with the idea of talking you into becoming a member of Hickory Ridge Community Church, but putting it out there and saying, this is what we believe. This is how we operate. If you feel like this is where the Lord to have you, we'd love to have you be part of our church. If you don't, we'd love to help you find a church that fits you doctrinally and fits you philosophically. So we had two families that heard about our church through this broadcast that joined the church on uh, this past weekend. So if you're looking for a church home, uh, why don't you come check us out? Hickory Ridge Community Church, we're down there. Uh, the last church before you come into North Carolina. If you've ever gone to the Outer Banks and you go through the Chesapeake Expressway, as you're going through the toll plaza, if you look to the right, you could see our church if the leaves aren't blocking the view. But we're right on Battlefield Boulevard, 3320 South Battlefield Boulevard. Love to have you come worship with us on Sunday morning at 9 or 1045. Well, this is part two on the subject of how to pray for the women in your life. Uh, so yesterday we started talking about the significance of the women that God brings to our lives and how much of a blessing they are to us. And we think about the fact that we should be praying, right? And we should be praying for the people that we love. The Bible tells us to pray for our enemies, but also we should pray, I think, extra hard 
for the people that we love. You know, God has blessed me uh, with five wonderful children. Before any of my children were born, I started praying for them. Uh, Before they were even conceived, I started praying for them. My wife and I prayed for them, and we prayed that God would bless us with healthy children and children that would grow up to know the Lord, to serve the Lord. We also prayed that God would bless these children that we have, that they would marry godly spouses. And uh, two of my five children are married. My daughter just celebrated her first anniversary, her first wedding anniversary, and uh, she and her husband are getting ready to have their first child uh, in just a few weeks. And so we're so excited about that. And then my oldest son was married uh, just a couple weeks ago. We're so excited about him and uh, his uh, his wife who sings on our worship team. And you know, when I think about that, so many times we look at life and we look at you know generations, and we look at sometimes this thing called generational curses. Did you know that if you will serve the Lord, that God will allow that godly remnant to be filtered down for a thousand generations? And so you ought to pray that the legacy that you are trying to pass on will go beyond just your children, beyond your grandchildren, and into your great-grandchildren. And I never realized how blessed I am with the godly legacy that I have. You know, when I was growing up, my, uh, my mom and dad used to love to take us to Canada every year. There were seven of us kids, and so we would make an annual trip to visit family in New Brunswick, and uh, we enjoyed this trip. And, and my dad would always plan this trip right around hay season. Now, down here in, in Virginia, you can harvest hay maybe three, maybe four times a season. But up in Canada, because it's so cold up there, they have a really short summer. Their seasons are kind of just the opposite are as far as length. I mean, their winter is really long. Uh, their summer is really short. July and August is about all you get for warm weather up there. And so we would go up there toward the end of July so we could be able to help the family bring in the, the hay harvest. And uh, my family members up there are dairy cattle farmers. And so they would grow hay and uh, grow other things, have a garden. Uh, but basically, they were dairy farmers, and, and they would milk uh, over 100 cows every morning and every afternoon. And so we would be part of that. And, and so we planned our time to be there uh, so that we could help them through that time. And every time I would go up to Canada, we would visit families, and I, and I had a, an uncle up there that was a pastor. We'd go visit him. He was an elderly man, but pastored up there in a little town called Moncton, and uh, he and his wife, as I recall, were very elderly, but he faithfully would preach every Sunday to the little church that was right there next to his house. And then I had another uncle uh, that also pastored out in Missouri, and uh, he's still alive. He's retired and moved down to Florida. And then I had a, another uncle who was what I would call kind of a bivocational pastor. And then I have a brother-in-law uh, who is pastoring a church. He's a church planter up in Connecticut. And I have another brother-in-law who is uh, a youth pastor in a church. And then I've got a third brother-in-law, and uh, he and my sister are the worship leaders of, in their church up in Massachusetts. And then my dad was kind of an itinerant pastor. Uh, He would go to these smaller churches, and he would uh, preach on the weekends where uh, the pastor was on vacation or whatever. He'd fill in in the pulpit. And so many times I would go with him as he would fill in. So when we think about leaving a godly legacy, passing it on, one of the things I always remember about my dad is he prayed often for us. And maybe this is where I get the habit. I get up most days in the middle of the night and uh, most evenings, and, I, and I'm, I'm up for an hour or so, usually between three and four or so, and, uh, and I do much of my good studying time at that time. And I don't know why I'm really alert at that time, and I study for an hour or two, 
And then I go back and sleep for another hour or two. And I find that that's a great time. But my dad used to do that every morning. And I'd wake up sometimes and he'd be praying for us, calling our names personally. And that struck me that my dad was a man who prayed. On the back of his tombstone, uh, when we were deciding what to put on the back of his tombstone, you know, you want it short, you want it succinct, because you don't have a whole lot of room on a headstone to get uh, get a saying on there. And so uh, the, the family asked me, what do you think we should put on there? And I says, I think a real short, succinct statement to summarize my dad would be, he lived by faith, lived by faith. And that would kind of mark his life. And so today, when we think about praying fervently. David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So we begin by understanding we've got to confess our sins in order for God to have his ear tuned in to what we're praying. So that passage, if you want to know where it is, is Psalm 66, verses 18 and 19. If I have cherished sin in my heart, the Lord will not have listened, but God did listen and he paid attention to my prayer. Why did God listen to the prayer of David? Because David confessed his sin. He didn't cherish his sin. So as we're praying for people, let's begin by acknowledging who God is, and let's secondly spend some time confessing our sins. You know, confession is nothing more than agreeing with what God already knows about us. So as we look at Proverbs 31, the book of Proverbs is a book of probability, not promises. And so as we look at what Solomon says about a godly woman, a godly wife, a godly mom, he says, if you can find a truly good wife, she is worth more than precious gems. Her husband can trust her. She will richly satisfy his needs. She will not hinder him, but help him all of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She buys imported foods brought by ship from distant ports. She gets up early, before dawn, and she prepares breakfast for her household, and she plans the day's work for her servant's girl. She goes out and she inspects a field, and then she buys it, and with her own hands, she plants a vineyard. You talk about a a woman of industry. She is energetic. She's a hard worker, and she watches out for bargains. She works way far into the night, and she sows for the poor, and she generously helps those who are in need. Now, verse 21, she has no fear of the, of the winter. She knows winter comes every year, so she's prepared. She has made warm clothing for all of her family members. She also upholsters fine tapestry, and, and her own clothing is beautifully made. She has a purple gown that, that's pure linen. Her husband is well-known, for he sits at the council chamber uh, with other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments to sell to the merchants. She's a woman of strength a woman of dignity, and she has no fear of old age. When she speaks, her words are wise, and kindness is the rule for everything she says. She watches carefully all that goes on throughout her household, and she's never lazy. She's on top of things. Her children stand up and bless her. So does her husband. He praises her with these words. There are many fine women in the world today, but you are the best of them all. Charm can be deceptive, and beauty doesn't last, but a woman who fears and reverences God shall be greatly praised. Praise her for the many fine things she does. These good deeds of her shall bring her honor and recognition from people of importance. Well, 
we began yesterday talking about three ways to pray for your mom, to pray for the women in your life. And number one, let's pray that they will understand and appreciate the sense of self-worth they bring. They are worthy because of their noble character. After finishing her psychiatry residency, a young doctor was working in New York City Hospital, and she's friends with another doctor who's a little bit older than her. And one day, this doctor said to her friend, do you know what I love most about being pregnant? It's the only time where I feel productive all the time, even when I'm sleeping. I'm doing something. It struck the young medical doctor that her friend based her self-regard solely on productivity, that she seemed relieved to finally find a task that she could do without stopping. She reflected, you know, for many of us, being productive and doing becomes an attempt at redemption. That is through our work, we try to build our worth, our security, and our meaning. Many people are trying to get a sense of self through productivity and success, but that burns them out. Now, listen, I'm not against productivity. I think that this Proverbsary One woman is a woman who is productive, but her character is not based, her self-worth is not based on what she does. Her character is based on who she is. One of Solomon's Proverbs says, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a wife who causes shame is like rottenness to the bones. Now, as we look at that little phrase, noble character. Generally, this is used of men in the Bible, right? And we think about Gideon, right? Another term for that noble character would be one, uh, Gideon was a man of valor. Solomon is saying that a wife of valor or a wife of noble character is her husband's crown. You know, and a key point in the story of Ruth, Boaz says to her, all the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Boaz is saying, it's not just me that thinks you're of noble character. It's not just me that thinks that you're a woman of valor. He goes on and explains, and he says, as you look at her reputation, he says, I've been told all about you, all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. And Boaz is going back in the story of Ruth and says, you know what? I heard about what happened. You know, you went and your husband died. And instead of staying in Moab, you came back with your mother-in-law. And as you came back with her, your mother-in-law, Naomi, as you came back, uh, you put your mother-in-law first. You said, I'm going to follow. I'm going to be with her. Her God's going to be my God. Where she goes, I'm going to go. We'll have to use that within a wedding ceremony. It seems to me that Ruth is considered a woman of noble character, uh, literally a, a woman of valor. The Hebrew word is Shailil, because she is honored with the most implicit obligations of her relationship and caring for her mother-in-law. At great cost, at great danger to herself, she is working hard to ensure that her mother-in-law will be provided for. When I think about a great wife of noble character, she protects and she provides. So we pray, Lord, may the women in our lives have a tremendous sense of self-worth. They bring character to our relationship. There's another thing that I think we should pray about for the women that we love in our lives is that they can laugh, number two, at the days to come. Going to verse 25 of Proverbs 31, it says, 
She is clothed with strength and with dignity, and she can laugh at the days to come. And as I think about this verse, I think about Proverbs 15, 13, and it says, A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. Here we see that this woman of noble character can laugh at the days to come because she has strength and she has dignity. She is prepared. Uh, She's not just beautiful on the outside. She has a deep, sustaining strength and dignity about her so that she can laugh at the days to come. In other words, she's prepared for whatever comes her way. In other words, she's not just a pretty face. She's a woman of strength and dignity. You know, today, many young women are obsessed with digital beautifiers. Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram and other social media sites have recently begun offering high-tech filters. With just a simple clicks, these filters will beautify the appearance of girls and young women in their social media profiles. These filters have been explored and they become popular as millions of users now have these looks like great models and it is sharpening and shrinking and enhancing and recoloring their faces and their bodies. Researchers have named it augmented reality, AR for short, and are concerned that these girls are subjects in an experiment that will show how technology changes the way we form our identities, how we represent ourselves, and how we even relate to others. And it's all happening without much oversight. Both Facebook and Instagram claim that over 600 million people have used these beautifiers. Facebook reports that about 10,000 employees are working on augmented reality and virtual reality products. More than 400,000 third-party creators have produced a total of 1.2 million effects on Facebook alone. Girls say in Instagram, a survey done on Instagram, that the way to have a perfect face is to have a small nose, big eyes, clear skin, and big lips. Maybe that's why every time you see these Disney movies, uh, that's what you see, a small nose, big eyes, clear skin, and big lips. Uh, Researchers are concerned that many young girls will express an interest in real-life plastic surgery to obtain that similar look that they have on their online images. One specialist on eating disorders and mental health says, I can see a sense of anxiety that is developing when girls live with this incongruity of their online profile versus their in-person selves. One researcher says, preteens on social media reports that these young girls say things like, I put this filter on because when I do, I have flawless skin. It takes away all of my scars and all of my spots. She is concerned that young people trying to figure out who they are, that it can be extremely harmful to them. Claire Prescott says, I don't think it's just filtering your actual image. It's trying to filter your whole life. Now, if you are of any age, you probably have some scars. Not only physical scars, but emotional scars. I have learned to see the blessing of scars. Because scars remind me of what God has brought me through. You know, every time I look at my finger, I have a mark on my finger where my son uh, lost his cool and, and he bit my finger. And thankfully, he didn't bite my finger off. 
but I have a scar to remind myself that I have a special needs son that needs a dad who will love him unconditionally and will love him even when he is hurting and even when he is losing uh, control of himself. He needs somebody that can care for him and love him and support him in the midst of difficult times. You know, life is filled with difficulties. Scars remind us that we have been healed, that God has stepped in and he has provided for us in our time of need. And not only has he comforted us during these difficult times, but he's also given us the ability to help other people who are also going through difficult times. You know, one time I was up visiting in a hospital and I was waiting to go into the IC unit. And as I'm waiting in that intensive care waiting room, uh, there's a young mother who has uh, a son that is obviously autistic, and, and this little boy is losing his cool. And, and the mom is embarrassed, and she's frustrated, and, and, he, and he's underneath the chair, uh, just screaming and banging on the floor. And so I said to this young mom, I says, now, can I speak with your son? I says, I have an autistic son. And I said, I think I can talk to your son, and maybe I can help. I can't make any promises, but, but would you allow me to speak with him? She says, sure, if you can help him, great. And so I got down there, looked at him face to face, and I says, young man, you're a great man. I says, God has big plans for you. That little guy just looked at me, and all of a sudden he stopped. Now, I didn't say anything miraculous. I believed that the Spirit of God was in that room at that moment. That mom said to me, says, I've never been able to get him to calm down that fast. And I says, I've never had success either. And I says, do you mind if I pray for your son? So right there in the waiting room at that hospital, right here locally in our area, I had a chance to pray with a mom and her son. Susanna Wesley was the mother of John and Charles Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church and the Holiness Movement. Many people don't realize that Susanna Wesley had a very hard life. She was married to a man who was much older than her. Uh, He was a preacher, a preacher who never made much money. And he couldn't manage what little he had, to the extent that he actually got so bad at managing his money, he ended up in debtor's prison. So what did Susanna Wesley do? She decided, I didn't sign up for this, and divorced the guy and abandoned him. Well, no, that's not what she did. (laughs) Today, perhaps, that's what most people would do. I didn't sign up for this. Uh, You know, if you have a special needs child in your life, and, and you are staying with your spouse during that difficult time, I salute you. 85% of couples who have a special needs child end up in divorce. But Susanna Wesley was different. She rose to the occasion. She did what her well-meaning but slightly incompetent husband couldn't do sometimes. She found ways to provide for the family. She trained her children how to be successful, how to be responsible, how to budget money. When she got sick, She delegated the responsibilities to her children so that a household could continue to operate. She even taught Bible studies at the church. As a matter of fact, the Bible studies that Susanna Wesley taught drew more listeners than her husband's sermons. John Wesley and Brother Charles benefited from the ministry of Susanna Wesley, their mom. John Wesley said this, I learned more about Christianity from my mother than from all the other theologians in England. Oh, I want to encourage you, my friend. Pray for the women in your life, that they will be able to laugh in the days to come. And number three, 
Pray that the woman that you love will receive the honor they deserve. Going back to Proverbs 31, verse 28, it says, Her children arise and call her blessed. The Lord bless you and keep you. It says the high priestly prayer in Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and to be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Well, I hope you join me for the last part of this message tomorrow. I'm going to talk to you tomorrow about the honor that moms deserve. You know, I was thinking the other day, if if I had to pay my wife for all the things that she does, how much would it cost me? Well, they've done some research on that, and, and maybe you've got the same thought I have. I wonder if I could afford to pay my wife for everything that she does. Join me tomorrow in the broadcast, and I'm going to tell you how much it costs to have a stay-at-home mom, how much it would cost if you could compensate not only the stay-at-home mom, but the mom who's working full-time and, and trying to be a full-time mom at the same time. Join me tomorrow for the broadcast, and we'll give you that very important information. Well, thank you so much for listening today. If I can pray for you, would you give me a call at 757-421-7500? I so appreciate you listening to the broadcast. I look forward to wrapping up this message tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. Be safe now as you drive. And if you uh, need anything, feel free to call me, 757-421-7500. God bless you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.